This episode of the 343 podcast is supported by Bounce Athletics. Bounce Athletics is offering you an additional 10% discount because they know that you are serious about high-quality soccer products if you are listening to this show. Training balls from Bounce Athletics can be customized with your logo and your color scheme and will only cost you about $15 to $20 per ball. And if you compare similar textured training balls from Nike, Adidas, or Select, those would be in the $50 to $60 range. Now, I've personally tested the balls from Bounce Athletics. They feel great. They look great. They roll great. They hold air, which is super important. They are legit, and I highly recommend them. To top everything off, Bounce Athletics will send you complimentary mock-ups of what your balls will look like with your logo on them. Just email your logo to info at Bounce Athletics to begin the order process. And remember to mention 343 so you get that additional 10% discount when you place your order. This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. This episode is part one of my conversation with Guillermo Sanchez. He is an assistant for Orlando City SC in MLS. Prior to his role as an assistant, he was actually the mental coach and the head of video analysis. Guillermo and I were introduced to each other by my friend Casey. Casey and I met while taking a coaching course in Southern California, and we have fortunately stayed in contact ever since. Originally, I reached out to Casey because I wanted to interview him but he suggested that I interview Guillermo instead. So what we ultimately settled on was a three-way conversation, and I absolutely loved how this turned out. The total call time with Guillermo and Casey was well over two hours, so to make this a little bit easier to digest, I've split it up into smaller pieces, and together, these episodes will provide incredibly valuable insight into multiple aspects of coaching on and off the field. Um, From the lowest to the highest levels of the sport. So we covered just about everything in this episode. And I really hope that you enjoy this and the future episodes and the future, sorry, and the former episodes of this show. And if you would like to support the 343 podcast, the best way to do that is by joining the 343 premium coaching membership program. If you are not already a member, you are missing out on the best online coaching education program that I have ever found. Now, these days I host the 343 podcast, but before the show even existed, I was a 343 member. And over the course of many years, 343 has helped me learn how to properly coach possession-based soccer and has added tremendous value to my teams and to my players. The membership has transformed the way that I coach and has been the absolute best investment of my time and my money into my personal coaching education. Best of all, it is a program that only teaches you what you need to know without confusing you or bogging you down with unnecessary or unproven information. The 343 membership program gives you a behind-the-scenes look at a proven methodology which comes directly from one of the best coaches in American soccer. So when you sign up, you get access to videos of real games and real training sessions that will help you learn how to coach possession soccer. You also get 24-7 online access to ebooks, audio lessons, recorded classroom presentations, on-field clinics, and members-only forum for networking and sharing ideas with other 343 coaches. You get all of that for just $295, which is an incredible deal and a fraction of the price of what other coaching education courses cost, uh, specifically the one that Casey and I actually met at, which was a course that was well over $2,000. Casey flew from Canada to get there. Uh, it was crazy. But this is just $295, which is an incredible deal. You can find more information and all of the benefits of joining the 343 membership program by visiting 343coaching.com. All right. Uh, I hope that you are ready for this episode and the future episodes with Guillermo and Casey. And yeah, let's just get into it. I hope you enjoyed this chat with Guillermo Sanchez. All right. You guys ready? Ready to go. Yeah. Hey, so Casey, I wanted to start with a, with a question for you, man. And I, I, I want to, I wanted to ask you to kind of just introduce yourself and then maybe, um, spill the beans on, on how we know each other 
and then okay. um, and then connect the dots for how how you know Guillermo, and then and then we'll get his introduction as well. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, so John and I met at a coaching course in uh, California, and a little bit of a crazy story, but. Yeah, I arrived in California not knowing that the course was, uh, uh, you know, an all-inclusive, you know, with, with, you know, with housing. And so I showed up and actually one of John's friends, um, Jen, um, actually hosted me at her parents' house. And uh, then that's how I got connected with, with John. And they were just so kind to me in, uh, in California. And I was... I was really uh, startled, to be honest with you, when I got there and I found out the course wasn't, you know, all inclusive with like, you know, a hotel and everybody was so welcoming. And I met John as well and uh, at the coaching course and we kind of uh, grew a bond there and started chatting a little bit and uh, I've kind of kept connected. And uh, I was I was always asking John about his, you know, his show. And so that's that's kind of uh, the, the connection with John and. Obviously, Guillermo has been a mentor to me since I started playing. You know, he coached me in university at Graceland, um, Graceland University in Lamoni, Iowa. And I always kind of knew, I mean, you know, we were always trying to push things over there. And he, he encouraged me to get involved in the game after I stopped playing myself. And um, we started working together. So I worked for Guillermo as a, you know, as a grad assistant uh coach and uh kind of you know took me under his wing and, and started teaching me video analysis right from the start so um that was that was really my connection with with Guillermo and he's been a mentor to me since and kind of teaching me the ropes and when I moved back to Canada um I got in contact with him and said you know um I'm you know starting to take a look into maybe trying to work in the Canadian Premier League as a video analyst and uh, you know he he, he kind of gave me an opportunity to intern with him at Orlando City, where he's a assistant coach and also oversees the video um, uh, analysis department. And um, yeah, so that's how I know Guillermo, and I'm going to just introduce <laughs> him, and he can kind of take over. Absolutely, hey, yeah. Let's uh let's hear a little bit about you, Guillermo. Where where are you from? What's your story and, and how did you get to uh to where you are today? Um well I'm from Caracas, Venezuela. Um I was actually um born in France, but my family moved back to Venezuela. I was raised there when I was seventeen. Um I wanted to play soccer in Europe, so um you, you try to find any way that you can make that happen. And when I was 17, I decided to be an exchange student in Denmark for a year. Um, I just wanted to play soccer, so I did. And I was training with a second division team, but then the program that I was with, they were not allowing me to to be part of any organization that was getting benefits, like money benefits and stuff. So I went back to Venezuela, got into school, uh, through soccer, I was playing for a team at the university, and that was in 2002. And that's when Graceland came to Venezuela to recruit, and I got I was blessed to be picked. So I came to the U.S., played for four years. Then my degree was psychology. I had a great mentor. Uh, he's a, a known sports psychologist in Canada, and. Um, great guy and even my freshman year sophomore year he would give me chapters of books and sports psychology in every road trip and then he would ask me questions and um i could say i was very an emotional player and he helped me developing myself and in that aspect and through the course of those four years in the undergrad we would do like field studies um where we were very passionate about feedback, and that's how we got connected to video uh, because we, we wanted to find ways to enhance performance uh, for ourselves and for the players that we're working with. And we would do studies like we would take kids that never play soccer, and we would take a group and we'll give them instructions of how to pass a ball. But we would take the other group 
and we would just show them 10 times how to pass a ball. So one group was getting verbal, one group was getting visual, and the difference was amazing of how quick the visual people were learning. And so that gave us a hint. It was like, we need to start using video more often because we can't demonstrate all the time, but we, we, we have to use different methods to get our points across and use modeling a lot. So we started getting into um, using iMovie back in the days. That was the only thing we had, and it would take forever to clip one video, and they had those squares on the right side that you can move one clip, but you couldn't organize them. It was, took hours, but it was good for learning. From there, I wanted to keep playing professional after college, and I went home to Venezuela, played for a year, but I always wanted to become a coach. Um, so I said, I'm going to play for one year and see what happens. And, and after I played, I, I really liked playing, and it's, you know, it's, playing is always a passion, but I always saw myself being a role where you can influence and develop others. Um, so I came back to the U.S. to be an assistant coach at Graceland. And the plan was for me to be an assistant coach for three years before becoming a head coach. Uh, but after a year, um, my mentor, he, he got a job in Canada where he couldn't turn it down. And he's like, man, I'm sorry, but I got to leave. So you're going to become I'm a head coach right away, and I was so young. Um, so I made so many mistakes that were good for my development as a head coach being young. Um, maybe Casey was one of my, my best mistakes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so then um, I, w I was coaching there for seven years, and I was in a comfort zone. And I needed to expand that comfort zone. And in college, you, you know, you don't have the resources to have a, a department for video analysis or sports psychology or a goalkeeping coach, fitness coach. So you have to learn different aspects and, and through sports psychology, because when I was studying, um, working there, I did my master's in sports psychology and I was doing all my coaching courses with the USSF. And that's, in 2013, I finished a job there, and I got uh, hired on a team in, in Venezuela um, that is one of the biggest teams, and they wanted to be champions again to go back to Copa Libertadores. Um, uh, we, we won the title that year, and then um, we had a coach. Um, the brother of that coach was the national team head coach for Venezuela, and he finished the job after being in Tijuana in Mexico. And he he said, hey, I need an assistant coach to go to India. So I'm like, okay, let's go. So we went to India for seven months. Then the season finished. It's, you know, the Indian Super League is growing. And then we got hired to go to Paraguay. And we we got sacked there after four months. Um, even though we were doing well, they, they should have sacked us in the beginning because we were not doing very well, but they kept us. But in the time we were doing well, they got us, let us go. And that's, that's soccer. And it's, it's a, and we'll get into that about how video was so important in those situations. Um, but, and we were packing to go back to Venezuela. Uh, and then on Sunday we get a, a message. It's like, Hey, you, we just got hired to go to Bolivia. And, that Sunday, we leave in Monday night. So we just, and the team had to play Sao Paulo for Libertadores on Wednesday. And we just had one training with the team. So there's nothing you can do in the training. Um, so we had to prepare like a really good um, video to tell the guys, this is why we came to this job because you guys are really good. Um, so we had to play the Libertadores game and after a few months, I decided to take a different route. I always wanted to do my PhD in sports psychology or sports science. And me and my wife, we moved back, moved back to Venezuela. And after a few months, we moved to Greece, uh, where I was doing the PhD and, and working with a second division team there. And, and that's when I was in Paraguay. Sorry, the story is long. It's just different places. <laughs> When I was in Paraguay, um, 
Jason Christ, who was the former coach of Orlando City. He was the assistant co- coach of the U.S. soccer uh, national team. And he came down to Paraguay to scout uh, Brazil, Paraguay. And he came to one of our trainings in the morning off. And we met there and we had a good connection. He liked my profile. And he's like, hey, let's keep in touch because, you know, if I take a team, you know, I'll, I'll be likely to have somebody of your profile with me. And when he took the Orlando job, uh, after a few months, he called me and I was in Greece. So I had to tell my wife once again, okay, now we're back in the U.S. And she just said, make sure we get a dog and we settle there for at least three years. <laughs> so we committed to come here and uh, it, it's been good. Um so now I'm here, and, and I, I love working in this club. Uh, um, our head coach, James O'Connor, is a great guy, and I, we, we work very well, as well as with the assistant coaches, uh, with Sean and Daniel um, and Tabani, the, the goalkeeper coaches. And we have a good group, so I'm, I'm happy here. I'm curious. You mentioned that at, at one point you know, you, you got sacked from a team. And from my experience, or maybe it's my ignorance, I don't, I, I don't know. I've never been in the room when, when it happens. But if a head coach is, is fired or let go or sacked, I, I would assume the entire staff goes with them. But you've, you've lasted through multiple head coaches at Orlando City. So what, what has that been like? Yeah, um, usually um, I think cultures are different in different soccer um, and management. In South America, for sure, like you, a head coach gets sacked, and even like the groundsmen go as well. Like everybody um, usually go um, because because my role when I first got here, um, I was just a performance analyst, and probably consider part of the support staff and not the coaching staff and. And I try to, my job um, has always been like trying to do the best for, for the coaches uh, in whatever role I'm in. And I'm glad they, you know, they saw value in keeping me here. And so it's, um, I think we're devoted to organizations, to loyalty coaches, uh, players. Um, so like, I just, you know, concentrate myself and, and do it the best I can and try to make everybody grow because if everybody around can grow, I can grow as well. Um, you know, usually many times, not usually, but many times um, in soccer, performance analysts might be a little bit like, this is my job and they don't let anybody help them. Um, I have, um, I have Casey I have Arie and I have um, Diego and Cali. That does, that's the team I work in the performance analysis um, aspect. And I always tell them, you guys need to become better than where I am because I never had somebody to, to teach me these things that I had to teach myself. I had some mentors that, you know, they make me watch games with questions. And, and I had 30 minutes to send a report in an email and I will read their reports and that's how I kind of learn. But um, all the softwares, all the stuff to use, uh, I didn't have anybody. So I want them to become uh, better than me so they can develop. In, in Venezuela, when I was there, um, the, I opened the, the performance analyst department there and the sports psychology as well. But I was also coaching and, and I trained two guys one of them is working in Bolivia right now and the other one is working for uh, for the national team in Venezuela and so like it's see people grow and give them more tools that they can develop into the game it's it's, it's a it goes back to our passion that started at Grace and with feedback you know how can we develop and enhance others with our visual feedback or with our words you know I'm glad that you brought it back full circle because I feel like 
people are going to be very interested to hear about what goes on, you know, uh, with the performance analyst or performance specialist at the major league soccer level. But I don't know how much of that is going to be relatable to their environment. So a lot of youth coaches listen to this. A lot of youth uh, soccer parents listen to this podcast. Um, but what you had talked about with uh, that experiment that you, that you ran at, at Graceland where, you know, 10 kids got this and 10 kids got that. And, and the results, what, what the results showed you was, you know, kind of what shaped how you guys, op- it sounded like it shaped how you guys operated. So um, I, I want to explore what you do on a day-to-day basis now, but I also want to be able to, to give people something that they can absolutely relate with. And I feel like that might be going back to where you started to learn how important feedback was. Yes. No. And, and just like I said, that's a passion of mine. And um, I started my first coaching job when I was um, in 2006, when I was playing pro, it was kids. And, and up to date, that's going to be my favorite team, uh, no matter how many titles or, you know, new teams you're, you work with. Because to me, that's where like the, um, the essence of soccer starts happening when there's you know there's no um contracts or sponsors and this it's just like you play because you like having fun with the ball with your teammates and and expressing yourself with different um uh, within um, social classes if you can call it like that and um, how the everybody's the same on the field Um, and so i'll tell you some stories about the youth soccer um one time i was in 2012 i was running a session in greece and i didn't speak greek um and i'm like okay how am i gonna do so i told my friend can you give me five words and i learned like five words to do like forever work with with this team and i ran the session with those five words of course they would translate the rest of the sentences but I wanted to give some directions. And as I finish the session, I'm walking out and this kid is by himself in the goal and he's giving me signals to kick balls at him as a goalie. So I'm like, okay, so I grab a ball and I kick it and he puts his hands like, like not like not proper to catch the ball and the ball hits his face. So, and I'm like, how do I explain if I don't speak Greek, he doesn't speak English if he was too young, how do I explain? But they had taught me the word um, triangle in Greek, trigono, right? And so I just went, I just went like this and I said trigono. And I only said one word and the kid just gave me a thumb and I started kicking and he grabbed every ball perfectly. So that moment, it was a reinforcement for myself like, Man, sometimes us as coaches, we speak too much and we only need to give the one thing they need. And I gave him the visual, gave him one word, but sometimes we want to do so much that it doesn't become about the players and it's about the players and their development. So feedback is in everything that they do. If a kid wants to score a goal and he misses the goal, the ball already going out, it's a feedback for the kid. So there's no need for the coach to say, oh, put it in the goal. Because what you're saying is like that you're not smart enough to recognize that you didn't score the goal. Or of course they do. So what word can we use in that opportunity? Or what can we do to make sure that he gets a better chance the next time to perform better at that skill? Um, so one of the things um, we've done with video is, for example, with tennis players, and this will relate to, to soccer players as well. Um, I remember a few years back, um, I were analyzing tennis matches. And this little girl, she was 12, and she, there's, a, there's a correlation between self-confidence, self-efficacy, and video feedback, right? So self-efficacy is this, is pretty much the self-confidence you have on one specific task. So I can be, you can have a player that you can say, oh, he's very confident, but when it comes to free kicks or penalty kicks, 
he doesn't feel very sure about it. That means his self-efficacy, his belief of being successful of that specific task is not very high, right? So we, I had like two or three ga- games of, of this little girl playing tennis, and all we did was collecting every forehand that she made it past the net. So every successful forehand. And we had a video of like eight minutes of her hitting successful forehand. So we had her watch that video one time and we didn't say anything. And at the end of the video, I asked her, what do you think? And she's like, I didn't know I was really good at my forehand, right? So that's like the power that the, the, the video can install those images to change thoughts and eventually change behavior. So not change, I don't like using the word change, it's just improve behaviors, improve thoughts about a skill. So the same goes to, um, to youth soccer. Sometimes we, we, um, we spend so much time on the end result and not the process. And, and, and I think you guys have mentioned this in previous podcasts I have listened from you guys uh, about being process-oriented and not outcome-oriented. So it's the same. Um, for example, um, and make sure you interrupt me whenever you want, because you know, I like <laughs> well, talking. About I, this. I, I do have a question. I want to ask you a question about that then. Um, you, you mentioned that the video was eight minutes long of her just hitting the one, the one specific shot. So just working on her forehand and only the yeah. ones that went over the net. Um, is there, is there anything that, you know, that supports the the repetition of doing that activity and, and seeing it repeated over and over and over again? Like, is there anything that, the, that is valuable for that player to watch that action over and over and over again for eight minutes? Yeah. So the, there's, I, I, right away, I think of two specific aspects. One, when I give you, uh, when a coach gives you a specific instruction about skill, for example, bend your knees, all the attention of the, of the receiver of the message is going to the knees. But my, what might happen is maybe they're not pointing their fingers down correctly because they're just worrying about the knee. So we have our brain has a capacity to like perceive a lot of information. But when we give a verbal instruction to concentrate on something, the brain is like, okay, I'll concentrate on that, right? But if they see it, they might perceive other details unconsciously, and they might adapt those details unconsciously, okay? So first, that second is they're not seeing the one ball that they hit over the net. They're not seeing those eight minutes as one, one hit, because then they might say, okay, I just got locked in that one. They're seeing probably, you know, a hundred times they've done it. So now the thought is, man, if I've done it a hundred times, I must be good at this, right? So how does that relate to youth soccer? You have a coach and this kid, he's going down the wing and he's going to send across. This is a typical uh, example. And he sends it behind the goal, Right. He didn't turn his hips. He sends it behind the goal. So we don't have a computer on the sideline to show him, hey, you did it correctly this time. But because they have the memory, say, hey, remember the other in practice? You put your hips around it and you hit it and it got to the target. Just try it again like that time. Because what you're saying there is, hey, you've done it before and you're not attacking the ego or the self-esteem of the kid. When you just say, oh, put it, uh, why you put it over the net? Or come on, just give it to your teammate, right? And so it's skills, and that's the beauty of youth development. Um, every person uh, and every skill of each person goes through different um, skill development, right? So they have the cognitive, they have the associative stage, and they have the automatic and we spend most of our time in the uh, in the associative uh, stage, but it's the job of, of coaches to help those players go from cognitive to associative to 
automatic. And, and each stage requires different type of feedback, right? So that relates to modeling. So if I'm coaching a group of 10, uh, 10 years old and I used to be a professional player and I want them to, to do the Cruyff move, what happens if I'm, as a coach, and I'm, let's say I'm 35, these kids are 10, and I, I show them how I'm doing it. They're going to say, well, coach can do it because he's an adult. Unconsciously, they might think that he's an adult and he would play professional. But if they see one of their teammates at the same age doing it, then they'll be like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And then the same goes with video. Um, if, if, if I show that guy, that kid, that 10 year old, oh, look at Danny Alves sending this cross, he might have the same thought. So we, we also try to relate the age and the demographics of the video that you're showing the kids so they can have the thought of, oh, I can do it as well. Hey, sit tight. We are going to hear a quick message from our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. As a part-time DOC, I had a budget and, you know, we needed training gear every year and it just was getting more and more difficult to find decent, high-quality, affordable training balls. That's Zach. He's the co-founder of Bounce Athletics. And as a coach, he was having a hard time finding quality soccer balls at an affordable price. So he started searching for ways to solve that problem for himself and for others. We've been able to experiment with a lot of different textured materials and construction methods. And, and I think we've really got it dialed in to, to where now, you know, with, with our training balls, we're providing super high level training balls that have all the modern technology in them for a fraction of the price of global brands. Zach and Bounce Athletics are offering 343 members and listeners 10% off orders of those custom premium soccer balls that he was just talking about. Email info at bounceathletics.com to start the order process and be sure to mention 343 to receive your 10% discount. All right, let's get back to the show. Oh, it makes sense, man. Um, one of the things you hit on earlier was, you know, if a, if a kid misses a shot and it goes over and, and a lot of times coaches first reaction might be to, you know, yell at the kid or, or attack. I think you just mentioned, um, like attack the kid's ego and, and how that's not necessarily beneficial. It's not, 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 not that it's not necessarily beneficial. It's not beneficial in that moment. And, and one of the things that we've always, um, said about the way that we coach or way that we are, we encourage coaches to kind of, I don't know the right way to say it, but uh, we, we only require two things so that the kids uh, give their absolute 100% focus and give their absolute 100% effort. And so if you, if you give those two things and you happen to miss, okay, no problem. Like you, you missed and you're going to get another opportunity on another day or an, another time, whatever. But if you don't give those two things, so like if you're not focused or if you're not giving your 100% effort and then you miss, well, then, then there's a problem, and, and, and that's not necessarily a technique type thing that we're going to correct. That's going to be you know, something else that, that we're going to work with, and, and that might be the feedback that you get in that moment. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's key, and I will uh, recommend there, there's um, Ivan Joseph, uh, the skill of self-confidence on, on YouTube, and Ted as a TED Talk, and one book called my big potential, uh, from Sean anchor. And th those two things are key for feedback because one of the details, um, I hear sometimes, um, from, I had my, my own sports consultant company and I will go to different, um, sports, um, organizations in South America and trying to evaluate, uh, coaches and to see what they needed to improve uh, so they can improve their players as well. And one of the things I, I, I saw a lot was many times coaches come out of sessions frustrated. And, and I'm like, how if they're doing their passion and they're coaching, what, what can go so wrong that you come out frustrated, right? So in one of the um, jobs... This coach, he said, listen, I have told these players a thousand times that this is how they need to do it. 
and they don't do it. And I just asked them the question, I'm like, who do you think the problem is, right? Because if I tell somebody a thousand times something and they haven't got it, maybe it's the thousand times way of not delivering the message, right? Um, so I think that in, in feedback, and that's how I recommend, that's why I recommend those two um, reference points, it's catch them, catch the behaviors you want to see and make sure you praise them, but don't praise them if they're not realistic, okay? So let's take back the example of the kid missing the, the cross. He got into the position to get to an offensive position to send the cross. That means he did something good because that same example, I saw it um, with youth kids, with this kid, intercepts a ball, combines inside, he keeps running, he gets the ball in, in front of him, and he misses the cross. So he did, he read the play well to intercept, to play defense. He sent a good pass inside and he made the effort to get to the end line and he just missed the, the cross. So out of four things, he did three correctly. And that's when coaches can help the players self-efficacy and their development in the long term by saying, hey, great effort getting there and great step to the ball to intercept, right? Just make sure next time, just, just turn your hips. But the effort that you got in turn, playing the ball inside, that was great. And that would probably take like 10 seconds. But that kid's self-efficacy of saying, oh, I work hard because I have effort and I, I can read the game, right? Now you're building a little bit by little. And then that's the beauty of, of the coach is got to say, okay, and that's where delay feedback comes into play because if you tell that same person every time they do it, you know, they're going to become motivated to do it because they want to hear the praise from the coach. So you got to say, okay, you know, now instead I'm going to say every three times, every two times. And then at some point, one time I was analyzing some uh, gymnast. And this coach had like five of them, but all five of them were in different levels. One of them was, you know, trying to get to the Olympics, but he had one that she was in early stages. And the one that was trying to get the Olympics, she, I don't know a lot about gymnasts, but I was, you know, I just like feedback. She ran and she did the flip, whatever. And then her landing was not good. And the best feedback he gave her was saying nothing because he knew that she would recognize what the mistake was and she he knows oh she will correct herself because I know where she's at with the landing right so what he gave her there is I trust you I have confidence in you you don't need me right now right while the the little girl that she's learning maybe there, that's where she might need more visual feedback and say, hey, watch this other girl, how she lands 10 times and see, and see how she will do, you know, and develop because that visual feedback might um, speed up her understanding of the skill itself, right? And I don't know if that answers the... <laughs> What? No, because I know I go left and right about everything. So yeah, no, it's, it's apologies. No, you're making, you're making really good points. Um, one of the things that I wrote down as you were talking is I'm, I'm curious if there's any correlation between the visual feedback. So like the player watching either a peer or watching a coach or watching a video of themselves, um, doing an activity. And also if there's a correlation between that and, and visualization. So like just, just closing their eyes and, and imagining, you know, a perfect repetition or imagining, you know, a body bending a certain way, or I, I, I don't know if that's, if that's something that's true or not. Yeah. Well, the, the theories on visualization, some suggest that as the skill is more complex, you need an outside view. 
so you can pay attention to the small details. So an outside so, view, meaning like a, like a video camera watching well, you? Well, no, for example, if I'm visualizing, like if I'm relaxing myself, I'm visualizing myself uh, sending across, mm. right? Maybe I can do it from inside to out. So I'm, I'm looking at the ball and I'm just crossing. But if I'm visualizing me being at the end of that ball, so getting in front of a defender and heading the ball, or maybe doing a bicycle kick, then the more complex the skill is, I want to see myself from a helicopter view or a side view because there's two things. To get to the point where you can see yourself from the outside, it requires a lot of practice, mental practice, right? So that means you're increasing also concentration because and control of your thoughts to be able to get to the point where you can see yourself from the outside and also to see the details of the skill. So it, it, it does uh, correlate to performance. Um, for example, another study that we performed or we conducted was we took four groups uh, for free throws, uh, people that have you know, never played much basketball. And we had a group, and this is very interesting, we had a group that twice a, a week, for 10 minutes, we evaluated them all with free throws, like 20 free throws to see how many score. And then we you know, randomly selected four groups. And one group will practice twice a week, 10 minutes, just doing free throws. The other group will visualize for 10 minutes. And then the third group, we had a control group with the third group. And the fourth group will do five minutes visualization, five minutes uh, physical practice with the free throws. Uh, the the team the group that did both visualization and practice they were the ones that improved the most, right? But to us the most um, interesting um, outcome that we got there is that the groups that practice just visualization and just physical doing the action, statistically wise, they improve almost the same, right? So that means the power of visualization, okay? And, and, and I think, and going back to the stages of skill development, when the skill is at the cognitive stage where if you're coaching a kid that's never dribble, uh, one time I think Casey was there, we were in Kansas City running a camp, and you know, in a camp you get different levels, and that happens in every training session. So I wanted them to dribble to the line, and I see this little girl and she just, she doesn't know how to dribble. So I told her, hey, start walking with the ball. Just start walking with the ball. So, so she can concentrate on her skill of touching the ball. As the session went on, then she was able to speed up a little bit more because she, you know, she was watching. I'm like, hey, make sure you watch this girl. Make sure you watch here. And and that's why each person, because you mentioned enhancing um, athletes or kids, each person is different. They will react different to the different types of feedback. So not every feedback works with everybody. And that's, that's very important for, for video feedback because um, I think the connection. Can you hear me, John? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. So sometimes... Um, some players uh, at a higher level, they want to see their mistakes uh, because they have built um, a confidence over time or a self-efficacy over time of that skill that is not going to be hurt from watching a mistake they've done. And it, it, it becomes, but when you talk about youth uh, development, you're concentrated in the process and not the outcome of things. So your feedback is more on the, and the process of a skill of make sure you're leaning forward or, um, or not so much where the ball went, but more about, Hey, here's the contact of the ball. And that's where video, uh, because sometimes you, you know, you can slow it down or you can break down the pictures of a skill so they can see where the skill breaks down, uh, specifically if it's in the approach, if it's the foot, the steps next to the ball, um, and that sort of, uh, examples. I want to get your, your reaction to, to something that happened. I think it was earlier this year, maybe late last year, and then transition that into a way that maybe coaches can, 
you know, youth coaches specifically can start to use video and, and what they should ultimately, ultimately be looking for. But, um, I wanted to get your reaction to the amount of work that Bielsa revealed when, you know, the, the scandal kind of happened with leads and, and everything mm. in, in the second division over there. But what he ultimately revealed was the amount of work, the amount of scouting, the amount of video that they were capturing on other people's teams, not only not, not even their own team. Like they, you know, the amount of work that went into scouting somebody else's team. Um, and, and that kind of amazed a lot of people to think like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, this is more than just coaching. This is, uh, you know, this guy has libraries and libraries full of, of videos of other teams. And so your reaction to that. And then, and then, um, how, how can coaches, you know, do the absolute basics for, for their own teams? Cause a lot of coaches here in the United States don't even own a camera, let alone record their training sessions, let alone record their games and review anything. So they're starting yeah. from ground zero. Yeah. At, at the pro level that the scouting, um, you know, sometimes we've been in places like, for example, in India that we couldn't do set pieces on away games because we were training two days before we would be training in, in, in the opponent's uh, training ground. And we knew they had hidden cameras um, or they would try to, you know, get a lot of information in different ways. Um, and at the pro level, you know, everybody's trying to get an edge. I think there's some also like some boundaries um, that you don't want to cross uh, because, you know, in soccer, everything is at some point, everything is known and, and you want to keep some ethics and, and some, uh, uh, yeah, some boundaries of what you could do, what you can't. I think, you know, I was, I was pleased to see Bielsa like own it and say, you know, yeah, it was me, my mistake. Um, we were trying to, you know, find out what they were doing. So I'm glad he, he had that self accountability to the situation and in, in regards to to youth and using video I think it's important uh, to have a, a camera behind the goal because I think that angle gives you uh, so much more than the side angle I think it gives you more the perspective of the player because this the side angle you're looking at it as a coach but from behind the goal you you can see and I know it's tough um, I think GoPros are, are uh, great for behind the goal if there's a way that you can put it back there. Um, it also takes the emotion out of the game because, you know, there's not much sound with a GoPro and, and, and you have a wide angle that you can see different things. And, and there's so many small behaviors that happen in a game that you don't want to base your success in, in youth development, if you win a game or you lose a game, um, it, they should have goals like, you know, if it's, you're starting with a new team and, you know, they're learning how to pass, it would be like, okay, in this game, we connected three passes four times. You know, in the next game, we want to try to connect five passes at least one time in the game. And then, from that success, it's like, okay, what worked in this? What do you guys see in this video that worked when we did five passes? Oh, coach, we played two touches. Oh, uh, this guy dropped back and has more space so to avoid the pressure from this player. So now the, the players become more uh, tactically sound by from the success they had because soccer will give you those small success and I think I, I, I remember a few years back when I read that soccer was the sports that were growing the most in the U.S., but was the sport that had more dropouts as well in the U.S. And I think it was in a coaching course that we, we read or we, we were told this. And to me, that's concerning because it's such a like, uh, growing sport that there shouldn't be so many dropouts. And I think coaches we have a responsibility first we have um the trust of the parents that they put on us to coach the youth and because we're not we yes we're coaching soccer but we're trying to reinforce values for life and and those players those kids they're also going to be you know professionals in their fields they could be engineers 
and we also teaching them how to treat each other um, and the way we treat them they're going to treat each other as well so I think um, the managing like goal setting for them based on, on, on video feedback as well is very important a, a team might be like you know we lost but look we did this well we did this well um, we uh, we defended well this situation and this is what I want you to do it's been you know there's a lot of research that talks about you know when you praise with specifics of what the behavior of why was so good and the benefits of that behavior then they're more likely to want to repeat that behavior um, and it's and, and if we always because John if I'm if you're trying to learn something new, let's say, you know, let's say you don't drive, you don't know how to drive stick. Okay. Let's just give that example. I, and I, don't, it. I actually don't know how to drive okay, stick. So. There you go. <laughs> okay. So the, usually uh, when you're trying to learn stick it's probably family member is trying to teach you. And, and, and there's two examples I want to talk about because it relates to youth. And, and, and this is very important if, you know, if there are youth coaches that will listen to this, and I hope I haven't bored them out of this podcast before. But the driving, learning the stick is, imagine the situation, try to learn stick. You, you need to concentrate on, on the gear, on the clutch, um, on the surrounding of the car, making sure you accelerate at the same time that you're taking the clutch out. So there's many variables happening, just like it happened in a soccer field. There's pressure, there's people coming, there's parents screaming, there's coaches that say, hey, let's win this game. So there's different variables, right? And if you have somebody to trying to teach you, there is always correcting you of what you're doing. Hey, don't put your hand here. Hey, make sure you're looking forward. Hey, make sure you, you press the clutch, but you're pressing the accelerator and then you bring the foot out. What you really uh, are saying to the person is like, you don't know what the heck you're doing because you're always correcting them. And that's when I think some dropouts of soccer or of any sports might happen. Because if, if I start playing a video game and I lose the first 10 times, most likely I'm not going to play that video game anymore. I'm not going to be passionate about it. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you see the relation? So the same is with soccer. So if a kid is not being successful at early stages of development, they might say, you know what? I'm going to try basketball or I'm really good at video games. So I like video games. So I'm going to stick to it. Instead of we're teaching them, hey, when something doesn't work out, there is a way to make it happen. If you work hard enough and if you, you know, put attention here, but now... It's, it's the coach that has like a bag of golf clubs that you're not going to hit every ball in golf with the same stick or the same club in every situation. You change the clubs. It's the same with feedback. So you have different types of feedback. And then video is one of them. Verbal is one of them. Modeling is another one. Staying quiet like the, the gymnast coach did is another one. It's just like, okay, what works with this person? What works with another person? I was telling Casey the other day, um, we had a, a player um, at Graceland that he was a center back and he sent a beautiful ball, diagonal ball into space and we had a good chance from his ball. Um, and then in the same game, he sent a ball, a diagonal ball when the team was deep and we just lost the ball. There was, there was no space for that ball to land. And we just lost the ball. So in the video feedback, this is me being a young coach. Um, and I like to think I'm still young. But <laughs> um, I, in the video review, I say, hey, this ball that you sent here, because I was trying to say, okay, one positive, one negative, or one negative, three positive, all those details. I'm like, hey, look, this ball you sent here, they're sitting deep. We're trying to send a diagonal. We lose the ball. But in this one, you did great. So in my mind, I did the feedback, what I thought it was good. What I didn't take into account, that this player didn't like being corrected in front of the group. So for the remaining of the season, he never again tried to send the diagonal ball. Right? And that's why 
knowing your player, knowing the personality is an individual meeting sometimes are very valuable because you don't want to shut down behaviors or the attempt of a behavior because it wasn't successful. Because, you know, in Barcelona, uh, uh, all the books of Barcelona, they tried to coach the intention of the action and not the result of it. Because the intention comes from reading the game. But the outcome, you can coach it through time. But that reading of the game, you know, there's so many opportunities that if they already have it, make sure you coach it so they don't lose it. Um, and then the second example I want to talk to you about is, is our babies, right? I, ha I have a newborn. He's 10 months. He's learning to walk now, but I've, I've used this example before. Um, babies, when they, when they fail in walking and they fall forward or fall backwards, who corrects them? No one. No one tells a baby, oh, man, you need to keep your balance here and then you keep your head straight so you don't fall forward, <laughs> right? You don't correct them. It's true. You, what do you do? You get them up, right? And if they do two steps, you celebrate it, right? Because they're in the early stages. So back to cognitive, associative, and automatic. When they're a baby and they fall and they take two steps, you celebrate it. But when they keep taking two steps, your celebration is not that big, right? Because they've done it before. So what do you do as a parent? You move back. So now they have to do four steps. And then you celebrate the four steps, right? But babies that are able to learn to walk, they all learn it. So we just have to be patient with our players to find a way to help them start walking but as a metaphor into soccer so if if they're failing at at skill it's like okay what kind of feedback does it work with this person and i'm gonna try this one okay i'm gonna try this other one and see what works with each person and then you should come out of the session feeling happy that you saw growth of the players within one session right not feeling frustrated and that's the the beauty of And that's how video, going back to the, the initial topic, can enhance because I see nowadays, and this is a different topic, but I have to touch on it because I, I, my, the well-being of kids, it's very important for me. Um, I don't know if you've seen those cameras that follow players individually. Yeah, yeah. No, I've seen them. Yeah. To me, like every time I go to a soccer youth game and I see that, I just... I. I have to stop myself from talking to each parent because, you know, one day I might get punched in the head or in the face from, you know, going to so many parents saying, no, don't use those cameras. Um, because to me, what the meta message is there is that you're teaching your kid, this is about you and it's not about the team. And, and I know the intention of a parent is like, you know, I want him to see himself playing because maybe the coaches are not doing a video, but you want to, the more the kid plays because they love the game, because there's no outside sources bothering them when they're on the field, the more love they have for that behavior, which is soccer, the longer they're going to stick to it because they just love it. But if they feel they're being judged, when they go home and they're going to review that video, right? Because they, because they might, if the kid did 20 things good, but he missed an open goal, they might look at that. And then the kid self-efficacy or ego self-esteem might be the one suffering. And if we do this repeatedly, re repeatedly and like over time, then the confidence, the confidence of a person might go downwards and might be, and, and we're really teaching them it's not a team uh, sport, it's an individual sport, if that makes sense. No, it absolutely makes sense.
All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 coaching education program. His name is Thomas, and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams, and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review, and I hope that everybody else finds that valuable. If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right, we'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening.